When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast, a proud new member of the Block M Podcast Network. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Matt Hartwell. My co-host, how are you, sir, on this victory Sunday? I'm doing great, buddy. Uh, an excellent victory that we got to observe yesterday. Happy to uh, be joining the Block, the Block M Podcast Network, courtesy of the Fan First Sports Network. Uh, really excited, my friend. How was your weekend? Well, it was good. We got ourselves a dub, and it was a convincing dub, and you know, I briefly just mentioned to every all the listeners out there that we're the newest members of the Block M Podcast Network, and I just want to take a quick moment uh, to let everybody know. So we've been doing this podcast for a little over a year, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. We've, we've come up with some really cool stuff over the last year, and then uh, just this week, we've joined the Block M Podcast Network, and we're so grateful to be here and, and so excited for everybody to get to know us. And Really, all you need to know about us, guys, is I firmly believe that I could beat Denard Robinson in a foot race. And my co-host here, his favorite Michigan athletes are Evan Smotrich and Tate Forcier. I mean, that's basically all you need to know. So uh, let's get into the game, man. Michigan 52, Minnesota 10, halfway through the regular season, 6-0. and uh, What are your quick hitters from the game last night? Any initial reactions? It was just a very perfectly played football game, man. You know, you take away the uh, the ugly long pass that uh, that Minnesota managed to muster up uh, before the end of the first half there. But other than that, I thought it was a very well-executed game by this Michigan team. Very nicely paced. Once again, uh, not gaudy numbers being put up by J.J., but J.J. having a very meticulous, great game. Um, and, and one thing I've noticed is that really you can't expect to have all of these guys to have gaudy numbers with the way that this Michigan team is balanced, the way that they play the game. Really, if you're having 300 yard performances by JJ, then what that means is that somewhere along the lines, like a running back is losing a fumble or the defense is, uh, is failing to stop the opposing team's offense in a, a decent amount of time. So what we're just seeing here is a very balanced attack from the Wolverines. And that's what I came away for taking away from that game is that uh, just a, a very perfect performance aside from that long pass. Well, and you're right. I, I wouldn't call it necessarily perfect. There were a few little hiccups by the offense specifically early on in the game, but it, I mean, that's just nitpicking at, at this point. And you're right about this team's identity. 
Uh, and I would just ask Michigan fans that, you know, are chasing statistics and individual accolades. Like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. But do you really want Caleb Williams stats in exchange for USC final box scores? I would like I would much rather have the box score of a Michigan game and have JJ, you know, with 200 yards, no turnovers and a, a touchdown or two on the ground and one through the air. Right. Like those six passing touchdown performances that. Michael Penix and Caleb Williams get that it's happening because they're in competitive games in the fourth quarter and Michigan just isn't in competitive games at all. I think uh, with the exception of the Rutgers game, I don't think, I don't think JJ's even taken any snaps in the fourth quarter at this point. Um, And speaking of JJ, not taking snaps in the fourth quarter of this last game, I get a warm and fuzzy feeling on the inside when Jack Tuttle comes in now. You know, we, we've, we've been looking for this backup quarterback, uh, and it didn't really feel like we, we knew who the guy was. And these last two games, Tuttle came in, moved the offense. Uh, he shows some proficiency on the ground. He definitely has some experience, and we know he can sling it. So um, hopefully we never have to see him in competitive game ap- action, but... That was the one question mark that made me the most nervous. And so Jack Tuttle is like my anti-anxiety pill right now when he comes in and and shows his smooth uh, command of the offense. And shout out to Tuttle for ripping off that long run, uh, teeing up that Leon Franklin touchdown at the end. I thought it was uh, a very JJ-esque run, if you will, that uh, got us right there within uh, a couple yards of the end zone. So Shout out Jack Tuttle. He's been doing a great job taking up that backup quarterback position. And we're going to get into some midseason superlatives here shortly. Uh, but but before we wrap up this game, I do want to just talk about some things that are evolving in the last couple games and in this one in particular. Uh, Khalil Mullings, he got twice as many carries as Donovan Edwards. And so it begs the question, is this guy perhaps becoming the number two running back on this team? I know it's almost like blasphemous to say that, but it feels like he may be getting number two carries back there. Are you getting the same impression? Uh, as a, on as an avid Donovan Edwards lover, it pains me to say it, but Khalil Mullings has been doing a hell of a job. I, as you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, Hassan Haskins. The Haskins comparisons are just uncanny with the way that he's able to uh, break loose his strength. I had tweeted it out from the Maze and Brew account. All this guy needs to do is start hurtling people, and he's going to be a fan favorite here in Ann Arbor for a long time to come. But uh, yeah, I thought he's been doing an excellent job. You don't want to disgrace the name of uh, Donovan Edwards. Uh, there's still a lot in the tank for that guy, but Khalil Mullings, man, he's he's definitely earning more snaps at the very least than what he's been getting. Yeah, and you know we thought he was just going to be that goal line guy, and actually on the goal line, it's all it's all been Blake Corum at this point. And the way that Donovan Edwards seems to be getting involved, which is not a surprise, is in the passing game, and that, that's what we expected. Uh, he almost got that touchdown that they ended up uh, swapping Blake Corum in for. I felt bad for the guy almost. It was like, I just wanted to see Donovan get a touchdown to kind of get his mojo going this season. Uh, 
So anyway, what, what more to be revealed with the the what is now a three-headed monster in the backfield and um before we hand out some player of the game accolades, I just want to point out uh Michigan's the least penalized team in the country and they've given up a total of 0 points in the third quarter through 6 games. That feels pretty good, doesn't it? Absolutely. And uh, you pointed it out the game before last during Nebraska had no penalties whatsoever during the entirety of the game Had one penalty that was kind of a shitty penalty very late in this one. You've got to think that uh, this is just one of the most disciplined teams, uh, most deepest team, one of the most deepest teams in all of college football right now. It's a scary recipe. I guarantee you that there's nobody that wants to play this Wolverines team with how they're playing lately. Well, it makes sense. Experience, right? We've got a lot of experienced guys, and what comes with experience is uh, lack of mistakes, and that's what you would expect. It embodies this Jim Harbaugh-esque approach to football. Um, So a great win for Michigan. Uh, Speaking of the win, let's hand out some player of the game awards and on the big house bleachers podcast we call that this guy right here and this guy right here this guy right here just like our head ball coach always says in the post game uh interviews so matt i'll let you do the honors first and uh do not steal my guy i've got a guy in mind so uh tread tread carefully my friend who who is your this guy right here for the minnesota game Yes, sir. And uh, for for once, you and I have kind of pre-gamed about this one just because I'm not going to mention uh, mention your guy just because he is definitely a, a big factor for yesterday's win. And uh, I know you've got a little something to say about his efforts, but I'm going to go with Josiah Stewart. The edge transfer from Coastal Carolina has just been doing some things for the Wolverines over the last couple weeks, including leading the Maize and Blue and Sacks up to this point in the season, which is something that not a lot of people saw coming. You know, I think uh, I think you might have had uh, might have been barking up that tree at the beginning of the season, but a lot of people, including myself, kind of saw this going more uh, Jalen Harrell's favor possibly even Derek Moore, one of those guys. But uh, there were some questions about his size, uh, you know, the competition that he's played against coming into this season. And, uh, you know, he's just been great in Big Ten play so far. I've been extremely impressed. Registered a sack yesterday. Like I said, leading the team in sacks up to this point. Josiah Stewart, you're my this guy right here for this week this guy right here and this guy right here and man he's getting better every game i love when guys look like they're actually getting better every game and josiah stewart he he has that he's like snowballing into something very special uh like just want a lot of david ojabo vibes kind of going on here just with his just with the way he's building momentum at just the right time and uh, spoiler alert, I might have him on my list of candidates for our superlatives later, and I'm, I'm sure you do as well. Um, my this guy right here this week is probably the guy that you were going to pick if I, told, if I didn't tell you not to before the show. Uh, I've got to go with the big boy, Mason Graham, who is back in full force after a, a brief stint of being injured. 
Uh, he came in early in the year and looked fantastic, and we expected him to. Uh, this game in particular was a coming out party for Mason Graham. There was that one play where he he like he was he got the rush and he like dove for the quarterback and uh, he kind of got nudged right. So he was like off balance and he was like diagonally flying at the quarterback, like Spider Man dove at the quarterback. Yeah. Well, yeah, except he's a big boy. He doesn't look like Spider Man, you know. But before last night. The Hindenburg was the largest flying object in the history of mankind. After last night, it's Mason Graham because that dude was flying through the air when he got that sack. Um, he had, I believe, let's see, six tackles, led the team, six tackles, two tackles for loss, one sack where he had his Hindenburg light like sack. Um, but of course, he is not going to blow up like the Hindenburg did <laughs> unless you're talking about metaphorically. Mason Graham, you are this guy right here and this guy right here. Man, excellent pick, buddy. A great word spoken about Mason Graham. A lot of good things being said about him and uh, a lot of people noticing him after that performance from last night. So uh, well deserved for him. Well, let's keep this momentum going. We've got a lot of new listeners this week. And so let's show them what we are all about. Uh, we like to just take a moment every week and just look at Michigan football or, or the, you know, football or sports landscape in general and just ponder what made us say, sheesh. And so Matt, I'll let you do the honors. What had you saying, sheesh, this Absolutely. week? And uh, for the listeners, sheesh, much like our last segment, directly pertains to kind of like the play that we view as the play of the game instead of the player of the game. So for this week, I'm going to go with Cornelius Johnson absolutely just hurling his entire body into the air to go up and get that deep J.J. McCarthy pass uh, coming not long after uh, he was being disgraced for <laughs> dropping that unfortunate pass in the uh, in the red zone that resulted in Michigan having to uh, kick that field goal to make it 10 to nothing. Cornelius Johnson goes up, gets a massive Calvin Johnson like Megatron looking catch that just had me like literally saying sheesh. So uh, I've got to give it to CJ this week. That's my guy. Sheesh to CJ. Sheesh. Yeah, Cornelius Johnson has quickly made himself one of those premier guys that can adjust to the ball while it's in the air. We've seen it a couple of times. Uh, he's had that bobble catch. He had that one last night. And, and you were right. Uh, CJ was one of, when I talked about some offensive miscues early in the game, CJ had one of those. We were driving. We were in the red zone. He dropped what was surely a first down, possibly a touchdown based on his positioning. And it killed the drive, and we had to settle for three. Uh, and I saw you tweeted out uh, that he's going to make up for that. And, and very quickly after that, he made up for that. And so uh, no love lost there with, with uh, or, or all love, for I should say, for Cornelius Johnson. Uh, great pick for Sheesh. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and not pick one play, but it's, it's a, a pair of plays. And... Of course, I'm talking about the two pick sixes. Will Johnson is back. 
He's healthy, as is most of our team, which is great when we're, we're playing this many guys. These guys are all, all healthy, ready to go. Will Johnson's back. He came in early. I, I want to say it was uh, 12 seconds into the game. He got himself an interception for a touchdown. I was on my feet. I was yelling. Uh, I, was, you know, I was ready to lose my voice 12 seconds into the game. Um, and he got the pick six. And then later in the game, uh, Keon Sab, the super sophomore, which I'm sure we might talk about him a little bit later in the show as well. Uh, but Keon Sab got himself uh, what I believe is his first career interception, definitely his first career pick six. And so two pick sixes for Michigan against Minnesota last night, three since Cade McNamara made that dumb comment about uh, not knowing what it's like for his defense to score points. And actually nearly four if you look at the fact that Chris Jenkins got tackled on the one-yard line on that interception. And so uh, I'm going to call it three and a half pick sixes uh, over the last few games. And so uh, Michigan secondary and Michigan defense in general. Sheesh. Excellent call out there, buddy. I even thought it when, uh, when it happened. That was the play that literally everybody had been waiting on, especially from Will Johnson. Everyone's been waiting on that INT. Got it. Took it to the house. Excellent sheesh moment for uh, the sophomore there. Well, you got JJ, you got Blake, you got Roman. And it, it's easy to forget that Will Johnson is probably the best player on this team. You know, and a, a lot of people might want to argue that, but it's like, ah, you know, when it's all said and done and we look at his, you know, pro career and, and uh, you know, there is a good chance that Will Johnson becomes known as the best player on this squad. And uh, it's, seeing him make plays like that is exactly why. It's why he was a five-star. It's why he's going to be a high draft pick. And quite frankly, that wasn't even that difficult of a play for him. He, he, you know, he read that. He jumped the route, uh, ran it in for the touchdown. So big play there. Um, all right, we're halfway through the season. Michigan is 6-0, and which is exactly where we would want to be. Uh, let's do some accounting. Let's take some inventory. We, we uh, made some bets. We made some preseason pre uh, predictions. Let's check in on a few of those. And so our most public bet uh, between you and me was uh, we, we, we got involved in a little debate about who was going to be the number three receiver, which sophomore was going to step up and, and be the guy. You've been riding the Tyler Morris train. I hopped on the Darius Clemens train. And actually, neither one of them has done a whole lot this season. Yeah, it's not what we thought was going to happen necessarily. Um, but both of them have gotten involved and both of them appear to be players that uh, will get significant game action when it's competitive down the line. Darius Clemens with three receptions, 33 yards, zero touchdowns. Tyler Morris with four receptions, 45 yards, zero touchdowns. So you, my friend, are in the lead. You're winning two out of the three categories. How, let, me, let me just ask you, if you had to pick a guy between the two from here on out, are, are you feeling comfortable with, with uh, Tyler Morris? I'm still feeling, feeling very comfortable with Tyler Morris. What I will say, though, is that probably what's most telling is that Samaj Morgan is is outperforming both of them, <laughs> the freshmen, yeah. you know what I mean? So 
very interesting turn of events. I think we both viewed these guys as like third or fourth options in this receiving core. They're actually like way down that list, uh, closer to like the top, like eight or nine. <laughs> so uh, we're both kind of wildly incorrect on that one, but uh, I'm happy to take the slight edge with Morris. And I think as it stands, Morris will continue to outperform, outperform and be utilized a little bit more than Clemens until possibly next year when we see uh, Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson move on to the next level. Yeah, the good news is both these guys look good. Uh, Clemens was a little banged up in the first couple games. He came in, uh, Rutgers in Nebraska made a couple plays and, and actually looked really good. I started to feel a little better about my bet. You know, it looked like you were going to run away with this thing. Uh, the, the one uh, nod that you get that's not, it doesn't really show up in our bet because it's just the three receiving statistical categories is Tyler Morris ended up being one, you know, one of our two main punt returners so far this season. So you could make a case that he's uh, more involved, but, but when, you know, when it comes down to just the passing offense and, and reception categories, we are neck and neck. Um, let's also take a look at, so it was, I want to say it was way, way before the spring game, but it was very early in the offseason. You and I publicly made some predictions about statistical categories. So I'm, I'm going to run through these kind of rapid fire just to, just to update everybody on where we're at. Uh, we didn't even do leading passer because that was too obvious. It is what it is. Uh, leading rusher, also pretty obvious. I said Blake Corum. You said Blake Corum. It's currently Blake Corum. No surprises there. Leading receiver, I said Roman Wilson. You said Cornelius Johnson. Now, he, here's a little bit uh, of a race here because... Roman Wilson is hands down going to win the, the touchdowns category. There's no question about it. Um, but he has 22 receptions for 382 yards. Meanwhile, Cornelius Johnson has 18 receptions for 342 yards. Um, are, you still, are you still riding with Cornelius? I mean, that's, that's pretty neck and neck. Roman Wilson has... You know, he's got the slight edge with yards and receptions. Yeah, I would definitely probably jump on board the Roman Wilson train at this point, buddy. You've uh, been right on the money with your pick on him this season. Cornelius is right there in uh, in yards and utilization. Gets a lot of targets, reels in a lot of receptions. But uh, I think Roman Wilson, not to mention he's got the enormous edge on the touchdown count Cornelius with just one this season. So Roman kind of outpacing him in every category. He's definitely kind of one of JJ's go-tos. So I think you're right on this one, buddy. I'm going to hop off of, uh, off of the Cornelius train. I'm going to fixate myself on the Roman empire train. And, uh, and I'm going to ride that one to success with you, buddy. The Roman Empire, the the flying Hawaiian, the, wearing the iconic number one jersey. And in fairness to you, we made these predictions before he announced he was wearing the number one jersey. Because when it when it came out, he was wearing the number one. I was like, oh, it's on, it's on now. You know, I was calling a thousand yard re, re, uh, receiving yards season, which 
you know, he's at 382 right now. You got to assume Michigan will play, you know, potentially 14 or 15 games if all goes according to plan. So there's a chance he gets to that thousand still. He's going to need one big, like crazy 180 or 200 yard performance in there, which he very well could get. Um, All right, moving on. Leading tackler. I said Junior Colson. You also said Junior Colson. Now, the surprise here isn't who the leading tackler is because the leading tackler is Junior Colson. But the surprise is how few tackles everybody on this defense has. If you would have told me six games in Junior Colson was the leading tackler, I would say, oh, what does he have? 46, you know, 52 tackle. You know, he's on his on his way to a triple digit tackle season. Um He's got 28 tackles, and as a matter of fact, only three Wolverines have more than 20, and it's not a bad thing. It's not because they're struggling to tackle. It's because so many guys are getting involved in this defense. Uh, There's just so much to go around, so we're right about who it is, but uh, it's kind of nice to see nobody's... no. Yeah, everybody's still got tread on the tires, as Harbaugh would say, right? Everybody's... Uh, just taking it easy in that defense. And it's definitely been a part of the plan, I think, for it to transpire this way with Colson. Uh, not that they want him off, off the field, really, at any point in time. But, you know, there was a lot of work put on Colson's shoulders, especially later in the season last year. So I know that Jesse Mentor, towards the beginning of the sp- season, spoke heavily about having that uh, linebacker rotation solidified with Hausman, the benefits that that brought having those three guys in the fold uh, versus what they had with Colson last year. So nothing to worry about at all in terms of Colson or his amount of tackles. If anything, it's a good thing. And this Michigan team has just been so deep on defense all year long. It's really a great thing to see uh, that the big guy's been kind of getting a little bit of a break. I mean, this is shaping up to perhaps be my favorite Michigan football defense of all time. Uh, I'm not going to say that quite yet. Uh, You know, 1997 would have to take the cake there. Uh, You know, check in with me after we travel to Penn State, and I'll let you know how I'm feeling. But it's just deep. The front seven, the secondary, there is just playmakers everywhere. So uh, we were right on the money there with leading tackler. Interception leader, we're both wrong here, but by the end of the year, one of us, I think, might be right. So the interception leader, I took Will Johnson, and and he's missed some games. Uh, You took Rod Moore, and he's also missed some games. The interception leader is actually Mike Sainer still right now with two. Uh, Keon Sab, Quentin Johnson, Will Johnson, Chris Jenkins, and Kenneth Grant, all with one interception so far. Uh, so your 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 boy God Moore uh, doesn't even have an interception. So technically, you could say I'm winning this one. Yeah, you certainly could, buddy. I am the most wildly incorrect out of the two of us, and also just in terms of playing time in general. Rod Moore has taken a big step back to. Uh, to key on Sab at, at uh, safety minutes right now. So nothing really pointing in the direction that there's anything wrong with that at this point. But Rod Moore, uh, utilization is way down. So I don't expect him to make 
any type of uh, huge leap and reach the point where uh, he's on par with Sane or still. Obviously, he could still catch Will Johnson, but once Will Johnson gets going with those interceptions, it's uh, it's a hard thing to slow down. So I think I might take a step back on that one and uh, and maybe start to rethink who I might uh, go for for interceptions leader this season. Well, you could make a comeback here because the safeties are the guys that get to sit back there and kind of pick off passes. Will Johnson, it, it really depends on how often are they going to throw in this guy's direction, you know? And I, we don't really know. We don't know what the game plans are going to look like. A- after that pick six last night, they're, they're going to try to not throw in his direction, but it looks like he can get off of his guy and, and maybe get some interceptions on, on some guys that he's not even covering. So we'll see what happens there. The, the one category that makes us both look like geniuses is sack leader. So I picked Josiah Stewart. And we had never seen him play in a Michigan uniform, so that was a pretty risky pick. Uh, you picked Jalen Harrell. Uh, right now, those are, those are your top two guys. Josiah Stewart has three. Jalen Harrell has two and a half. Um, that's a tough one to pick, too, because you could have been Braden McGregor. You could have looked at uh, potentially Derek Moore. And then w- with the interior line, it, it wouldn't have been crazy to say Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, or may- maybe even Kenneth Grant. Uh, so the fact that you and I were kind of right on with these two guys midway through the year, I, I would say we, we both take a W for this prediction. Absolutely. We are geniuses for this one. Uh, I take a step back in this one uh, to you, who is right on the money with Josiah Stewart, who uh, takes that lead after securing a sack of his own yesterday. So congrats to that guy. Uh, congrats to you for leading the bet. Most improved is definitely an interesting one. Uh, what'd you have here, my friend? Well, and let me just say, don't congratulate me quite yet. Games aren't won at halftime. So, so we're, we're only halfway through the season. So I still like your chances on a few of these. I went with, with for most improved, I, mine was kind of a cheap shot for most improved, if I'm being honest here. I picked Mike Sainra still, if you remember, for most improved, which... He was, he was already a stud, and so I, my, my whole point was I believed that he was going to step up to all-American caliber player, and so I thought he would be the most improved on the team. Um, he's well on his way. I would, say, I would say he's within the realm of all-American caliber right now. Uh, you picked Rayshon Benny, which I thought was a really good pick, but we haven't really seen him make too many plays this year. How, how are you feeling about Benny? I'm not uh, too down on my pick of Benny, although that he hasn't really popped the way that we'd like him to. He's still been very kind of Chris Jenkin, Mozzie Smith-esque with his uh, performance. And also we've seen a couple high grades from him from uh, pro football focus. So I'm not completely abandoning that ship just yet. I think that he's been very good at stopping the run, which uh, has been... Um, I'm not going to say a step back for the team this year, but has needed a little bit of kind of perking up over these first few games. So uh, I think Rayshon Benny has been making a positive impact and we'll see him start to make more of those game breaking plays as he develops a little bit more. Well, we will check back in on these statistical categories. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll do it just before bowl season. So hope, hopefully we're waiting on, 
on Michigan to uh, get ready for the college football playoff semi semifinals. And we'll get in there around December and check in on these. Um, now for the part of the podcast I've been looking the looking forward to the most, the mid-season superlatives. We, we've got about nine or ten different superlatives here that I want to run through. And uh, the, way, the way we're going to do this is we're not, we're not against each other here, Matt. You and I are going to figure this out together. We'll, we'll both nominate some guys. We'll talk through it. And we'll, together, you and I will decide who wins these mid-season awards halfway through the regular season. So to start, the Braylon Award. This goes to the offensive MVP so far this season. I'm going to just throw it out there. There's some very obvious candidates. Um, I think you got to start this conversation with JJ. Is that is that the guy you're starting with here? That is absolutely the tree that I'm barking up first, buddy. All right, so you got JJ. Uh, some honorable mentions here would be I would put Roman second actually before before Corum, and then a couple names that I just jotted down because they deserve to be mentioned are Zach Zinter. And uh, Drake Nugent in that center position. And, and you could really pick a few guys on this line, but um, those were just some guys I, I brainstormed. But J.J. McCarthy's the leader of this team. He's the difference maker. He, he's truly the most valuable guy on this team. And so I think the Braylon Edwards Award is for MVP midseason. It goes to J.J. I'm going to absolutely agree with you, but... For my honorable mention second, I would have to throw Blake Corum in there. The okay. guy has just been so valuable from an offensive standpoint. And just the touchdown total has just got me impressed out of my mind. The guy already has 10 touchdowns. If anything, that was probably one of the primary categories where I saw Blake taking a step back in at this point in the season. And he's just continued to be so valuable when the team needs him as you mentioned earlier in the show, in goal line stands, and then just in general. He's been Mr. Reliable, so I'd probably put him right there at, uh, at second for uh, the Braylon Award. Well, I'm not going to throw something across the room and call you an idiot for putting Blake Corum number two. I mean, you know, that, that would be a, a, a very reasonable assessment. I think, I think Roman Wilson is just a fun one to to talk about this year with all the catches and some of the highlights. But you know what, Roman gets uh, he gets in there for some of these later awards, and so I think we're in agreement. We can move on from this one. The midseason uh, Braylon Award winner is JJ McCarthy. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Uh, 
Let's move to the other side of the ball, the Hutch Award. And this, of course, is named after Aiden Hutchinson. This is for the defensive MVP halfway through the year. Uh, who you got number one for the Hutch Award? Who's your, who's your go-to uh, nominee? Uh, it's tough. I'm going to go with Mike Sane. We're still just ah. because he is just all over the place. You've got the two picks, the pick six. Um, he's got a sack, tackles for losses. I mean, he's been put in various positions all over the field for this defense. And uh, he's come out on top. Who do you got? Well, I think you're going to win me over here. But I, so I, I got Chris Jenkins. I think Chris Jenkins has, has earned himself the right to be considered the defensive MVP. He's got, he's got the energy up front. He, uh, he's, you know, that nose tackle position that just really personifies every, all the grit and everything that you want in this defense. He's uh, had that big interception, which was nice. He, he's, uh, you know, really clouding up the, the middle there so other guys can make plays. Uh, yeah, so I, Chris, Chris Jenkins is definitely up there. And then kind of a sneaky pick. Kenneth Grant is somebody you could actually throw in this conversation. I mean, I, I wouldn't pick him over Mike Sandra Stiller, Chris Jenkins at this point, but who would have thought that we'd be talking about this guy as potentially the best player on the defense? If you're really looking for my second pick, I've even got Mason Graham. So yeah. when you really start to shell it all out and think about it, it's crazy the kind of interior that this Michigan team has that uh, that three of the best guys are are right there. And Jenkins, Grant, Mason Graham. It's just it's an insane defensive line, my friend. Well, I think we have our answer then because you're you're basically saying you're saying I've got another tackle that I would put above Chris Jenkins at this point, which which by the way, I don't I don't disagree with. I just think because he missed he missed a game or two. It's it's tough to it's tough to put him all the way up there. But I think Mike Sandra still is going to win more than one of these awards, basically, because I'm I'm going to secede uh, to your Mike Sandra still pick here and say he's the defensive MVP of of the season thus far. Because I can't even believe that I'm taking any other stance. I'm a Mikey S guy. Like that is my guy through and through. So we'll we'll give him. Uh, the the Hutch Award for Defensive MVP, but I'm going to definitely nominate him for another category that's coming up soon. Uh, so let's move on to maybe every Michigan fan's favorite award. This is the Bench Mason Award. This is the award that goes to the grittiest player on this team. And of course, Bench Mason, that's the nickname of good old Ben Mason who just liked to hit people. Uh, who you got for the Bench Mason Award? so far through the through six games you know i'm going with a fellow running back for this award buddy i'm going right over to blake corum i think first and foremost i've got to make sure that blake gets some kind of award uh the heisman voters love to snub him um i can't let him go snubbed in our award ceremony even though he got an honorable mention for offensive mvp runner-up but still, Blake Corum has just been doing all of the dirty work for this Michigan offense. They've been putting him in goal line situations. He's been getting hit. I don't know about you, but every time I see Blake get hit, especially in the legs or the lower 
yeah. portion of his body, I'm just scared. I'm very yeah. afraid about it. So, uh, you know, Corum's just been doing it all, especially in goal line situations. He's been blocking. He's been doing everything, especially coming off of a gruesome injury that uh, required him to have surgery in the offseason. Blake Corum, you've got some fucking grit, buddy, and you're my grittiest player. Bench Mason Award winner for this category. God, I just love talking about the Bench Mason Award. This is as good as it gets for Michigan football. And, you know, Blake Corum was one of two names that I wrote down. Uh, and I think I'm going to I think I'm going to give you this one as well. Like normally I, I fight you on stuff like this, but you, you've been having some pretty good picks. So I had Blake Corum second and but I think he is first. And for one reason and one reason alone, uh, do you remember a guy? You remember Bill Romanowski? Of course you do. Right. Bill Romanowski, legendary NFL player. His, mm-hmm. you remember his his face would just start bleeding for no reason, like in the middle of every season, and then every game he would just he would he would just bleed every <laughs> game. Well, but for 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 some reason, Blake Corum, uh, I think it was last week he he started to show this like some of these hard hitting guys they get this like cut right above their their nose right there and they start bleeding and well Blake Corum. Uh, started bleeding last week, and you could see this week he's got this little notch. It's like a boxer's notch, you know, where he's just cut up. And to me, that's a bench mason like badge of honor right there. It's just like he doesn't care. He it, last year he was coming out and just throwing up on the field in the first drive of the game. His face is bleeding. Like that's bench mason through and through. So uh, I'll give I'll give you Blake Corum on this one. I actually brought I, I jotted down the name Kenneth Grant. For this one as well, because he's just been a beast in the middle. Um, <clears throat> a couple other guys you could just you could at least give an honorable mention here. I, I would say Zach Zinter and Trevor Keegan. You know, those two tackles are are basically the guys. Good picks there. Y- yeah, good you'd want it. I would probably almost secede for those guys. Those are good ones. Well, I tell you what. Do we want to? Do we want to reconsider here? Do we want to throw? Trevor Keegan or Zach Zinter in there. I'm looking at the rest of this list, and I don't think Blake Corum is going to win any of these other ones. And so maybe, maybe we just leave Blake there so he takes one of these. I think homes. Zinter and Keegan can get our honorable mentions for that one, though. I agree. I I know how important this award is to Blake Corum, and so I don't want to take it from him. You know this this mid season Big House Bleachers Pod superlative is is something he's probably been wanting his whole life. So Blake. We're going to give you the the Bench Mason Award. Uh, here's a fun one. The Jabril Peppers Swiss Army Knife Award. That's pretty self-explanatory. The Swiss Army Knife, the do-it-all. Uh, I've got a couple guys on defense that, to me, embody the Swiss Army Knife. Uh, I'm going to let you... I, I want to hear what you got to say first before I, just, before I blurt it out. What, who do you have? Well, you've intrigued me with your... Uh your defensive comment here. I'm just going to tell you, I've got Dono here, and I think that uh, he's being a little bit undervalued just for his running ability, right? I mean, he's had a few 50-yard games, but we can't forget about Donovan Edwards' threat in the receiving game because he's still been making an impact there. When everything's said and done, he's still coming close to... 100 all-purpose yards in most of the games that he's playing, or at least over 50 all-purpose yards. So 
you know, the guy is still finding various forms of utilization at different levels of the game, at least more so than than I can think for other players or positions. So I'm intrigued. Who you who do you got here? I mean, he's definitely the Swiss Army knife on offense. And here's the thing, Matt. I think he could be he could win this award by the end of the year. I'm just I'm gonna push back on this one because of all the players that have been kind of painful to watch this year, because we know what their potential is, you know, it's, it's not like he's been playing bad. It's just we know what his potential is, and he just hasn't, he hasn't done it. You know, he had he hadn't even gotten in the end zone once. I I don't think he's gonna get the award. I was just looking at receiving here. Okay, he is fourth. That's what I thought. He so he's not even in the top three in receiving, which I guess you wouldn't have to be to be the Swiss Army knife. To your point. 16 receptions uh, for a running back is good. Um, but to me, when I think Swiss Army Knife, I go, I go straight to Mike Sandra still. Mike Sandra still's the guy. He, I mean, he's in the backfield hitting the quarterback. He's getting interceptions. He's stopping the run. He's, he's all over the place. And uh, that nickel position, it, it really lends itself to a Swiss Army Knife kind of guy. And he has the toughness the quickness, the intelligence, every, everything you would want. in it. I think of a Swiss Army knife, and I think about all the different elements that you're pulling, pulling out of that little knife. And to me, Mike Sandra still has it all. So that's my number one pick. But you're going to drool at my number two pick. And I'm surprised you didn't think of this guy because I, I know you love this guy. What about Mike Barrett? Mike Barrett, uh, he, he does a lot in that defense. And so... That's another name we might want to consider. He has, he's getting behind the line of scrimmage. He's getting some TFLs. He's uh, getting a lot of run stops. But he also he drops back in coverage and and does pretty well as you know as well. You know I don't hate the Mike Barrett pick. I just wish we we'd see more of that stuff that we see from him in other seasons past, uh, like the kick return against Minnesota or yeeting the ball across the field during the Maryland game to AJ Henning. Yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff. Or uh or the interceptions, the the back-to-back interceptions against Rutgers or something like that. I'm just waiting for uh for Mike Barrett to have some of those explosive moments. And had mm-hmm. he had one or two of those, I probably definitely would have put him over Dono. I do like the Sainra still pick. And uh, I think I'm going to secede that one to you because Sandra still just kind of has that dog in him and he's all over the place. They use him at such various different levels. It bothers me that uh, that this award won't go to somebody that's been a part of the offense, kind of similarly to how how Jabril was. But obviously we don't have a player that kind of meets that exact mold. So I think Sandra still, man, I think you've got it on this one. Yeah, and I'm looking, so I was actually looking, I'm scrolling through the stats right now because I, I was trying to remember, I was like, he's got a sack, right? And yeah, he does. So Sanders still, he's got a sack, he's got the pick, the six. Two pa- the, yeah, the pick six, and then the that first interception of the year. Um, I just wish he would have returned a kick or something. God, he would actually be real nice back there, wouldn't he? he with his with his, his history as a receiver. Um so yeah, Mike Sandra still gets his second award of this midseason uh, award season that we got going on here. So the Swiss Army knife goes to uh, Mike Sandra still. 
uh, just a quick recap. The Braylon Award, J.J. McCarthy, the Hutch Award. Uh, we went with Mike Sanders still there. The Bench Mason Award, that's going to Blake Corum. The Jabril Peppers Swiss Army Knife Award, that's also going to Mike Sanders still. Now we've got the Desmond Howard Catch of the Year. Uh, to me, this is the most obvious one, but there are a couple of honorable mentions, but I'm just going to throw it out there that Roman Wilson's helmet catch has to be the catch of the year. Wouldn't you agree? Hands down. I mean, it's just the catch of the year flat out. I was going to mention CJ's catch. Uh, he's had a couple of them that have been pretty impressive, but yeah, nothing even close to uh, to Roman's catch off of the helmet. Excellent, excellent. I mean, hang that shit in the museum because that, sh- uh, that was a beautiful catch. Uh, I'm giving it to Roman. Yeah, man, it, uh, it's got to be. The, so those two Cornelius Johnson ones, the, the bobble catch against Bowling Green and then the one uh, this weekend where he adjusted uh, to me, that's number two and number three. But there is another sneaky candidate that just it just it it didn't count. It's kind of a tradition that we do this in week one. But uh, uh, Josh Wallace, that interception, if if that wouldn't have been it, it, it sucked because he got his foot in bounds. It should have counted. But the de- the the offensive player that became the defender on the play, I think, uh, touched you know just barely touched it when it, he was standing out of bounds, and so. That Josh Wallace interception would have been one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life had it counted. But since it didn't, Roman Wilson, you get the Desmond Howard Catch of the Year uh, midseason award. And that's one that I, I feel pretty confident will probably last uh, t- throughout the year. But who knows? M- you know, maybe we'll see, maybe we'll see something better than that this year. Uh, next up. The O-Ja-Bo Award. And of course, that's the biggest surprise. So that's for the player that's, that comes on is, you know, the, like, like David O'Jabo just, just surprised us with just how magnificent he actually is. Uh, I've got a 1A and a 1B for this award. There's like two guys for me that are just neck and neck. So I'm, I'm curious uh, who you got. I'm giving it to another edge that came out of nowhere this season, buddy. And you might see this differently because he was on your preseason predictions. So I don't know if it even qualifies as the biggest surprise for you, but I'm going Josiah Stewart here. I uh, I thought he was going to have an impact, but I thought it would probably be more of a Yabi Oki type impact where mm. uh, where we saw him a little bit like in the non-con and then maybe like, one or two snap, one or two sacks sprinkled throughout the season, but he's already leading the team this season. He's coming on right now too. This wasn't a performed in the non-conference and uh, now he's disappeared and Big Ten play type deal. Josiah Stewart has become a force along the Michigan edge, so uh, I'm going with Josiah Stewart here. I don't even have a one B. So who you got? So that wasn't my 1A or my 1B. So we've got ourselves a little situation here. Whoa, standoff. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So 1A for me is Keon Sab. I mean, what's, what was more surprising than Keon Sab? And I think he put an exclamation point on it last night with, with that little pick six that he, he accomplished. But uh, the other guy is Kenneth Grant. It's easy for us to forget that 
he seemingly came out of nowhere after the spring game. You know, he he got drafted number one overall in the spring game because uh, Michigan does like a draft for the the amazing blue teams in the spring game. And he got drafted number one overall, and all of us were like, really, Kenneth Grant? Like, we knew he would be a candidate to make a leap forward, but we didn't know just how good he was. Well, this season, uh, like we led this segment with, we we almost considered him for the best player on that defense. So to me, it's uh, so Kenneth Grant is is up there, but but Keon Sab was the first one that came to mind because we thought we were screwed when the the injury report came out week one. We were like, you know, we we, we were missing all kinds of guys in that secondary, and Keon Sab has been very very good back there. So good that it appears that he's taking snaps away from Rod Moore right now, which is something we didn't think was possible. So uh, I I don't know. Are you still feeling like Josiah Stewart's the guy here, or do you think Kenneth Grant or Keon Sab might might take the cake? I honestly could uh, I could forfeit Josiah Stewart. You make a good point about Keon Sab. Uh, I honestly had Keon Sab and Kenneth Grant for later awards. So I wasn't forgetting about either of them or their impact, just so the listeners are clear. Uh, how could I forget about those guys? But I think you're right. I think Keon Sab is a little bit more fitting for this award, and he's been possibly more of a, a bigger surprise than even Josiah Stewart. So I'll give you that one. All right, let's go with Keon Sab. I, I feel bad that we haven't given Kenneth Grant uh, – an award yet though he's coming up close on on a few of these you and you mentioned that you might have him uh later so let, let's move on and see if his name comes up again so the ojabo award goes to keon sab um the freshman freak award i love that you're, you're the one that named that one the freshman freak award there's a there's a few different ways you could go with this but uh I, i'm going with samaj morgan i mean his quickness his explosiveness, uh, the, he's really come at it. You know, I thought Carmelo English and Frederick Moore would be perhaps a, above him on that pecking order. And, you know, he said, no way. Like, so he, he's the guy. Samaj, dub show Morgan. He's my freshman freak. He's my freshman freak as well. So I'm not going to argue with you there. I've been very high on him this year. Um I honestly, he's out snapping, like we've already mentioned, both Tyler Morris and Darius Clemens with his six receptions. He's even got a touchdown on the year. So Samaj Morgan, definitely my freshman freak. Let's get over to sophomore standout. I know you've been waiting to hear where I've got Kenneth Grant placed. I've got it right there. The guy is really just, if it was called sophomore freak, that would be Kenneth Grant because that guy's doing it all. An interception. Uh, he's got some sacks on the year. Tackles for loss. He's been doing it all. Really, I uh, I didn't get to name Mason Graham as uh, as one of as uh, one of my winners because I had him kind of as my runner up for defensive MVP. But I'd also have to shout out. I'd probably have to saw that award in half. Shout yeah. out to Donovan Edwards there and give it to both Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant because both of those sophomore standouts, man, they are just anchoring that defensive line along with Chris Jenkins. 
So I'm giving it to both of those guys. I don't know if you're on board with that or who else you had in mind, but sophomore standouts, I'm cutting it in half. I'm giving it to Kenny Grant and Mason Graham. You know what? There, there's no rules on the BHB pod, as our listeners will surely find out soon. And so we can definitely saw that bitch in half and give it to both of them. Um, Mason Graham. Mason Graham was my guy for this category. And honestly, I forgot that Kenneth Grant was a sophomore. I mean, he's just such a grown man, dude. I like I and actually both of these guys, Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant, both sophomores. That, that's insane. Um, another guy you can I mean, call the man out here has an interception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's insane. And and Mason Graham, uh, I probably floated in the air about as long as MJ when he dunks from the free throw line last night. So you know, like they're they're both impressive specimens. I've never uh, seen the, a man that big throw themselves like a frisbee. Dude, here's what I'm gonna do. I, I need to do this. I'm gonna get a. Uh, a picture of him floating through the air, making that sack and then superimpose it on like an MJ dunk contest background because uh, Mason Graham, like that, that dude can fly. <laughs> uh, another sophomore to, to at least call out here. He, we've already talked about him, but uh, Keon Sab is a sophomore stepped up in a big way. Um, anybody else, anybody on the offense? We, a lot, a lot going on on the defense. As a matter of fact, um, is there a, another freshman to give a nod to? I, Samaj Morgan like was the one that really stuck out to me. I, I couldn't even think of another one that made sense here. Is there nobody in the trenches, right? Because the trenches, are, there's no freshmen there that are really making I'm an sure impact. I'm sure there honestly is, but I'm so high on Samaj Morgan that I couldn't tell you who it is. I, yeah, it's like Jair Hill hasn't had an impact like like we thought necessarily. He's so a not lot of him. snaps, but uh, yeah, really not the kind of impact that Samaj has had. You know, if I was going to make a prediction on one guy that maybe by the end of the year could be the freshman freak that, that hasn't done much yet, uh, it would be Frederick Moore. And I'm saying that simply because you saw them try to air it out to Frederick Moore last night like they're trying to get him involved so uh that'll be interesting and then uh so okay we we can move on from that i was just kind of picking my brain because samaj morgan was really the only freshman that to me has had any real impact on this team that i can think of i'm, I'm sure we're you know, missing DJ somebody. waller jr has been getting a lot of run too. him and yeah. john hill i would say and it's like like i said both of them haven't really like popped the way Samaj Morgan have, but both of those two guys have been getting a lot of run early. Yeah. I feel like there's somebody we're forgetting, but you just, you, you start looking at like the linebackers or, you know, it's not, it's, there's not a lot of room right now because there's so much experience on this team. Um, all right. The Olu Oluwatim award. What? And that's one word is it for, for everybody that's wondering. Ola Watim Award. That's one. <laughs> that's one word. That's the Matt Hartwell special too. You came up with that I one. I made as him well. say the, it like that too. Yeah. <laughs> the Olu Ola Watim Award. Of it goes to the best transfer. The best transfer. Um, there's a few good candidates here actually. And if I was gonna pick this before the season started, I hands down would have said Ernest Hausman. It, and he. He's somebody you could consider at this point, but for me, it's 
it's Josiah Stewart. That that was the guy that that I wrote down first. The second name I wrote down was Drake Nugent. Drake Nugent and, and the interior of that offensive line, um, also a big time transfer. What do you think? I'm uh, in big agreement with you on both of those, especially since I didn't get Josiah Stewart for the Ojabo Award. I'll keep him on the table for this one. I also named Drake Nugent for this one since I had named Stewart for the other award. And the reason for that is because at this point of the season, he's getting a lot of the same love that Olu got at this point of the mm-hmm. season. He's very undervalued. He outsnaps pretty much everybody on the team. He's had that starting center job locked down, and he's graded very well through these first six games. So I would say Drake Nugent so as not to to make sure that the big guy doesn't get the love that he needs. But I'm also going to throw out A.J. Barner's name. And the reason for that is because Barner has been out-snapping even the likes of Colston Loveland through six games, and he is right up there with Nugent with how often he's utilized. And a lot of that isn't even due to like his pass catching prowess or anything, but his ability to show up in the run game, very good at blocking on the run, very good at filling his roles and his gaps. So I would say AJ Barner is extremely valuable. And I would put all of those, all three of those guys up there as being valuable transfers for Michigan so far. Well, we've been saying uh, there's no better place to be on a hardball offense than the number two tight end, right? Like we've been saying that all offseason. And AJ Barner, he got off to a little bit of a rough start this year, um, but he's getting better every game. And and you, you see him getting comfortable in this offense. I agree. That's a guy to call out. I think hands down, we got to give this one to Josiah Stewart. But another name just to throw out there is uh, Miles Hinton. Miles Hinton came in. And literally won the starting job from, well, and here's another name to call out, Ladarius Henderson, right? Like those are the two guys. um, And, you know, by the end of the year, Ladarius Henderson might be the guy we're giving this award to because it looks like he he may have won that job. I, I know Hinton has been injured and that's why Henderson got in, but I don't know, man. It feels like the O line operates better with Henderson in there. Uh, and so who knows, but anyway, the Olu Oluwatim award goes to Josiah Stewart. Let's, did I miss any there? I think that's all of them, right? Did I leave any, any awards out? I don't think so. I think we hit it right on the money and really the key takeaway from that is just so many valuable transfers. I mean, all of these guys are kind of exactly who we thought they were, you know, so all have had a big impact. All of uh, could really, most of them could walk away with this award. So it's really impressive. Well, let's run back through them real fast and then we'll get into the college football landscape and look oh, ahead wait, to the game. You forgot one. What is it? The Hassan Haskins Workhorse Award. Ah, oh, I knew it, man. I knew I forgot one. Um, okay, I forgot to even write anything down for this. The Hassan Haskins Workhorse Award award all right well i've 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 got my answer i'll I'll let you go first for this one i did pick Keon sab and a big reason for that is uh not just because of 
the big plays that he's made recently, but this guy has pretty much outsnapped the entirety of the defense through the first six games of the season. Keon Sab is one of your most utilized Wolverines on this team. And because of the way that he's stepped up and because of the improvements that he's made, the guy just works so hard, and I'm definitely giving this award to him. All right, so I've got a... Did we did we give him any other awards at this point? Um, I don't. We've named him for a few, but I don't know if he's walked away with any. Yeah, we gave him the Ojabo. Oh, you're right. So anyway, so here, here here's. I do I'm have another make a, mention. I'm gonna make a case. I'm gonna make a case for, uh, and I want to saw this thing in half again. I'm gonna make a case for Zach Zinter and Trevor Keegan because you mentioned snap counts. Um, that you know. So the Hassan Haskins award, it makes me think of Khalil Mullings a little bit, but he just hasn't gotten enough run to truly get the workhorse award. I think we got to give our our guards some love. Let's give Keegan and Zinter together the Hassan Haskins workhorse award. Was that your, your call out or did you have somebody else? I love it. You know, both of them are so critical, critical to the uh, the workhorse ethic of that offensive line. We have to find a place for them somewhere. Let's do it. Let's throw them in there. Let's saw that bitch in half and make sure that they <laughs> have a half to take home to their big, equally big families. All right. So let's run back through. And I forgot I didn't write these down. So let, we'll see if I get them right. The Braylon Award goes to J.J. McCarthy. That's for the offensive MVP. The Hutch Award. That's the defensive MVP. We went ahead and gave that to Mike Sanristil. Mike uh, the Bench Mason Grittiest Player Award goes to Blake Corum. The Jabril Peppers Swiss Army Knife Award also goes to Mike Sanristil, bringing home two midseason superlatives. Uh, the Desmond Howard Catch of the Year, it's got to be the Roman, Roman Wilson Helmet Catch. The Ojabo Biggest Surprise Award. That went to Keon Sab, correct? We didn't give that to yes. Kenny Grant, did we? That went to correct. Keon Sab. The Freshman Freak Award goes to Samaj Morgan. Sophomore standout. Uh, we saw that in half, gave it to Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham. Uh, the Olu Oluwatim Award for the best transfer goes to Josiah Stewart. And the Hassan Haskins Award for the uh, hardest working player, the hardest worker. We went ahead and sawed that one in half and gave it to Zinter and Keegan. You know, I feel like we sawed the right ones in half. I feel like I feel like Mason Graham and Kenny Grant deserve to split that thing, and Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinter deserve to split it as well. So I, I would say uh, you and me did a pretty damn good job on this. Yes, an excellent use of the saw as well. Yeah, well, we'll put that thing away until the end of the year. I'm sure we're going to be sawing this thing uh, maybe in thirds or fourths by the time uh, this season's over. And and uh, maybe we'll saw that national championship in about 100 pieces for every guy on the team. Um, all right, let's, let's look a little bit at the uh, landscape uh, around the Big Ten and around the country. You know, the Big Ten is kind of just, to me, it's not even that exciting right now because we're not into the meat and potatoes of the schedule. Everybody's really just competing for fourth place. Uh, I would say w Wisconsin beating Rutgers was a big win because it puts Wisconsin 
uh, firmly atop the West. And so it looks like the Badgers might find their way into the Big Ten Championship. Somehow Iowa is a one-loss team, and they're, uh, you know, they don't have Cade McNamara, and quite frankly, I don't know if they got worse when he went down. And that that's not even a slight to Cade McNamara. It's just their offense is terrible. Their defense is great. They're going to win games, you know, by scoring 15 points or whatever they do. But I don't know any any call outs in the in in the Big Ten. I, I guess Ohio State beating Maryland was was a pretty big deal because Maryland was five and zero, and we. But what did we, let me ask you this? Uh, what did we learn from the Ohio State Maryland game? I learned that Ohio State still doesn't have that ability to take the top off a of defense the way that they always have. Now we saw them run up the score a lot in that last couple minutes. This is a couple things that stood out to me from that game. They managed to pad their lead quite a bit in the last two minutes of that game. In addition, the only chunk yardage plays that they attempted that they did manage to complete, Kyle McCord vastly underthrew Marvin Harrison Jr. And uh, I don't, I can't recall who the other receiver was. But uh, two very large gains. They, I'm pretty sure they both ended up being first downs. The thing is, both of those receivers had to essentially stop running yeah. their route to slow up to catch that football from Kyle McCord, which, which is good enough to beat Maryland, right? But I'm not, still not sold on Ohio State. I'm not sold on that victory over Maryland. And I still think that Michigan's going to whoop that ass when the time comes. So that's just the hill I'm dying on for now. Uh, Wisconsin, I agree with you. They look ready to run the West. Iowa's also got a pretty favorable schedule, even with McNamara being done. So we'll see how that continues to transpire and if they can continue to do what they've been doing. Uh, Notre Dame sucks the big one. (laughs) <laughs> they lost badly to Louisville. I guess that's outside of the Big Ten, but that was an observation from this weekend. And then we had a lot of top teams that were struggling against mid-tier opponents. USC went to like two or three overtimes against Arizona. I stopped watching that one. One, because it was late. And two, because it was just the dumbest game that I've ever laid eyes on. So... Didn't really have a whole lot of interest in that. Alabama, LSU also avoided close losses. How about that Georgia Tech ending? Did you catch that? Dude, Mario Cristobal, what are you doing, <laughs> man? Oh, they could have oh knee it out. They could, they, all they had to do was knee it out. They ran the ball, uh, which was a massive mistake. Even if the guy doesn't fumble it, I'd be like, what? like that's a huge mistake. And then the guy fumbles it. And so worst case scenario. Absolute worst case scenario. Um, you know, some other things we found out is that Florida State might not might not be a shoe in to win the ACC. Uh, North Carolina looks pretty good. So does uh, Louisville beating Notre Dame, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, Ohio State. I, I I I tend to agree with you there. They don't look like you know the Ohio State of the Urban Meyer teams. Uh, they, they, they really look like kind of the same Ryan day, Ohio state teams where they're not, you know, they're not really 
tough. And and I, I tell you what, I'll be glued to the the TV during that Penn State Ohio State game because we're going to find out a lot about some key opponents. Uh, that Maryland game sandwiched in between there on the road, we don't want to overlook that. That's going to be tough, but. You know, Penn State on the road is the game that makes me uneasy. It's always been the game that makes me uneasy about this whole schedule that we have. Um, so seeing Penn State play Ohio State is, is, is going to be very telling based on what we see out of that game. I would not be surprised if Penn State completely bullies them off the field in that game. I also wouldn't be surprised if it was the other way around. So uh, we'll see there. And uh, just real quickly, touching on USC. Every week I put out a power rankings. This was the week I finally said, screw it. I dropped USC to number 13 in my power rankings because, I mean, you can't be in the top 10 and give up points the way that they do to really bad opponents. I mean, Arizona's not a great team. Colorado's not a great team. They're giving up, you know, they're giving up in the 40s to these teams. And so I'm looking at USC's schedule. They could lose four out of the next six games. I mean, it could legitimately be that bad. Um, I don't think they will because Caleb Williams will probably uh, win some, some uh, you know, shootouts. But but they're going to lose at least two or three games this year. Caleb can, Williams is just good enough for them not to be a terrible football team is what it right. is. Right. Agreed. Um. Anyway, more to be revealed, and we will be here every step of the way to talk about it. Michigan and Indiana next week for our seventh game. Uh, Michigan has not lost a regular season game uh, last year or this year. You know, does Indiana pose any threat to this Michigan team from from your vantage point, Matt? Not at all. Unfortunately, I'm going to be at a wedding for this one. Which no. uh, I was texting Vaughn before <laughs> uh, before this podcast, reminding him that I'm going to be unavailable for the game next week, and uh, it just physically hurts, man, to miss a, miss a Michigan football game. I'll be trying to closely follow along from uh, my phone in a dream scenario. I'll be able to uh, kind of just sit in a room and observe the game from my phone and the wedding or no activities will begin until the game is ended and I'm able to fully consume everything that's happened. But uh, we'll see, buddy. Uh, other than that, I don't think that this Indiana team poses any threat. They look to have started off a little bit hot at the start of the season uh, when non-conference play was still going around. Ohio State played a pretty close game against them to open up the season in week one. So. Uh, that piqued my attention a little bit, but Indiana still looks to be every bit of uh, one of the bottom tier opponents in the Big Ten. Yeah, man, I'm I'm just heartbroken for you right now. I didn't hear anything you said after wedding. Uh, like, what what kind of sick people schedule a wedding uh, on a Saturday in the fall? I don't know if you remember, but last year I officiated my cousin's wedding during the Maryland game and. That's a special kind of sick and twisted because when you're officiating the wedding, you can't even like check the score like off like on your phone on the side because you're literally up in front of everybody. So um, I'll well, be praying. I am, I'm a groomsman, which isn't officiating, but I, I'm going to be required to be present for all of those wedding activities. And 
I'm not looking forward to it, buddy. Not on game day. Dude, we got to get you an earpiece or something. I can I can like announce the game into your ear or something. But uh, anyway, I, I agree with you. I, I, I'm always very cautious about saying, well, Michigan's going to roll. We're going to stomp these people. I, I might, I've actually been criticized publicly because I, I tend to build up opponents quite a bit. Like before the Nebraska game, I was like, oh, the wind, you know, be careful. These guys are good. You know, but, They were coming like, for you, buddy. Yeah, but I just... It's hard to build up this Indiana team uh, coming to Ann Arbor to face this Michigan squad. It's like, I, I don't know what the line is yet. I haven't looked at it, but it's actually, I got this open right now. I can look at it real fast. 34. Yeah, the line's 34. I mean, that, we're, we're right back into the non-conference schedule kind of lines there. You know, uh, that, that's just, it doesn't scream trap game. It, it just the seems like. The biggest question is, does Michigan cover? I'm going to say yes, but for me, the biggest question is, do we, do we get our guys the numbers that, you know, like, does JJ get a one or two passing touchdowns so he can continue to chase the record? Does I'll say Corum definitely gets in the end zone, but does, does Roman get, get another snag? You know, it's tough because none of them will see action in the fourth quarter. Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't want to jinx us here, but, uh, you know, this is, I've never seen a season quite like this watching Michigan where we just have not been tested. And the next three games, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue, none of those three games feel like a test. Going to East Lansing, I never trust that. Things can get a little weird in East Lansing, but, but still, that team is just not built to challenge a team like Michigan. And so it all comes down to that road game against Penn State. And I hate to look ahead too much. So we're not going to. We're just going to focus on the Hoosiers, get another win, go 7-0. and uh, We'll be back next week for another episode of the Big House Bleachers podcast. Uh, we've got a lot of new listeners out there because we're on the Block M podcast network now. Uh, Matt, where can people follow you? They can follow me exclusively on my primary Twitter handle, at Maze Crusader, or any of the great content that me and my team are putting out, at Maze and Brew. That's also located on mazenbrew.com. What about you, Mike? Well, we, uh, you guys can follow me at Wolverine Cron on Twitter. Uh, also, uh, there's a YouTube channel out there, a Wolverine Chronicle YouTube channel, and my blog site is wolverinechronicle.com. Uh, Matt and I are so happy to be on our new home, the Block M Podcast Network. We'll be back next week. That was the Big House Bleachers Podcast for Matt Hartwell. I'm Michael Smeltzer. As always, go blue. Go blue.